call to worship this morning, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the 95th Division of Psalms. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. See what the Lord has done. See what the Lord has done. You are to count your minute. See what the Lord. Oh, see what the Lord has done. Yes, see what the Lord. Oh, you are to count.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another day, for breath in our body, activity of our limbs, and clothes in our right mind. We thank you for your presence filling this place. We pray for those who wanted to be here but couldn't, and we pray for those watching virtually. We pray for our church, every family represented here today, our pastor, and every church that stands in your name. We pray for our pastor that you continue to give him the word for your people you have placed in this house, in this ministry. During this holiday season, Father, we pray for those who are grieving and away from loved ones. We pray for those in the armed forces fighting to protect this country. We ask for traveling grace Mm -hmm. for those who may be traveling during this season. We pray for the leaders of this country. Touch their hearts and minds, ordering Mm -hmm. their steps. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray for those facing any kind of adversity, whether illness, facing a tough situation, or simply going through. Mm -hmm. We ask that you hear our prayers, both the spoken and the unspoken. Lord, we pray for this world. Mm -hmm. So much is going on, but we know to look to the hills. Look to the hills from which cometh our help. When we thought the devil won, thank you for showing up. Lord, we pray for the youth and young adults. Protect them, guide their footsteps, touch their hearts, helping them to be who you have called them to be. Thank you for forgiving us after the many times we have fallen. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for leading us. And Father, thank you for guiding us. We can't make this journey without you. Thank you for your grace and mercy extended to us time and time again. Thank you for the many blessings. And most of all, we thank you for your word. The ability to study and hear your word as it will be rightly divided by our pastor. Father, we can't thank you enough for seeing us down through 2023. We ask that you see us through the rest of 2023, and we thank you and praise you in advance for 2024. The testimonies that are awaiting us, we thank you. The testimonies that are awaiting us, we thank you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. We can't thank you enough, and we'll forever lean, trust, and depend on you. All this we ask in your darling son Jesus' name we pray. And the church say amen. Amen. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, keep on riding.
opportunity to meet together in his name with the assurance that when two or three meet together in his name touching and agreeing he will be one in the midst we do pray that that is our conditions today that we are touching and agreeing so that he will not only be one in the midst but enable us to hear what thus said the Lord from his book as we move going back to our series of messages. To come up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Going back into our series of messages, um, as you know, before we entered into the holiday season, we got a little rain, got a little rain here. Cut this one off, cut this one off. Okay. Before we move into the uh, holiday season, we were studying our focus was on First Peter chapter 1 and verse 11. Our main focus was concerning the glory that should follow that was prophesied in the Old Testament concerning the glory that was to follow the suffering of Christ. We all agree that the suffering of Christ was Calvary. And there was a prophecy concerning a period that is equated to the glory that would follow. We, at first glance, we would look at that verse and we would think about the glory that would follow as it pertained to Christ. The ultimate of that glory is once he's crowned again King of Kings and Lord of Lords have regained his original status. In the beginning, he was the word with God and was God, and then was made flesh. But that's not the glory that that is being spoken of. As we, uh, in our past sermons, we point to scriptures where it was made clear that the glory was toward us, God's people, persons on this planet. And so what we are trying to do, what we were trying to do is to point out that glory uh, which we had started with it began with our becoming a child of God being born again but we had to take a side road when we came up to this time of the year so we're trying to even tie in uh, the birth what the scripture says concerning the birth of Christ uh, and its significance to the glory that was to follow the suffering of Christ, the glory toward us. So having said that, we remind ourselves of this verse, First Peter 1 and 11 says, Such in that, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ, and the glory that should follow. Knowing that one of the, uh, knowing that one focus of Satan is to cause circumstances in life to 
to cause doubt to begin setting in, we, as did John the Baptist, must continue in the faith of the things that we have both heard and seen in God's word. And we going back to where we, last week, we focused on Matthew's uh, chapter uh, 11 uh, concerning John the Baptist uh, uh, expressing what appears to be doubt. Uh, uh, Matthews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Now, what we are pointing to is that the same book that tells us about Jesus tells us about Satan. This is a spiritual warfare. And just as we see the presence of Jesus, we learn how to recognize the presence of Jesus. We also will learn how to recognize the presence of the enemy so that we can fight against his attempts to destroy us by causing doubt. That's the first step toward losing what we have. Now, there are a lot of people who do not believe you can lose your salvation. They say, once saved, always saved. I, I'm one of the ones who do not agree with that. From Hebrews chapter, uh, from Hebrews chapter 4, it's one of the main chapters in the Bible that uh, caused me to believe that you can, as the Hebrew, book of Hebrews says, fall away. But it starts, it's a step-by-step -step procedure. We first start doubting. And then our doubt began to change or began to show evidence of us losing our faith. Now remember, faith is action. There's a difference between faith, there's a, there's a difference between faith and belief. It's two different things. You can believe something and it does not affect you at all. It doesn't affect your actions. You can just believe it. Uh, but when you have faith, it causes you to act on what you believe. And so our action on what we believe in the spiritual sense is our action or our faith that is exhibited through our efforts to try to keep ourselves in line the best we can with God's word. And we, it doesn't matter how sincere that we may be. It doesn't exempt us from Satan being able to use us at a time of weakness. And we went to John two or three weeks ago. We first looked at Peter. And he chosen by Jesus, no doubt, that he was one of the ones drawn to Christ. John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except he's drawn by the Father that sent me. And I'll raise him up in the last day. But yet we find Peter making a statement to Jesus that made Jesus turn to Peter and say, Get behind me, Satan. So nobody is exempt. One of, one, of our, one of the beginning of our falling away is to feel like that the message is for everybody else. When we hear God's word, we think about somebody else. Oh, he's talking about them or he's talking about that. No, no, it starts with me. I try to, uh, I try to put emphasis on, and, and, and I believe I'm unique in, in this statement. I hadn't heard another pastor say it. And I've been in church almost all my life. But the, the, the biggest sinner, in my opinion, the biggest sinner at a church is the pastor. Not because the pastor does more evil things than anybody else, 
But the Bible said, well, much is given, much is required. So it's just like we're raising kids. When it, we, we laugh at things that a little two-year-old child do. So that's cute. <laughs> Ain't that so cute? That, but a child 13 do the same thing. We say, you're old enough to know better. Well, much is given, much is required. And if we're going to stand here and claim that God have given us a ministry, then he requires more. And one of the best examples going back to try to try to uh, re-emphasize that my sermons, they all start, point, they point to me first. And I try, to, I try to be an example so that when you run into the same weak points that we all run into, you won't try to justify it. You give us five seconds, we can justify anything. You give us a chance to explain. But see, I, I, I didn't do it. They did, but I did it. But I, we can justify anything if you give us five seconds. And now going back to the other Sunday, when I made the statement, I preached a sermon that was equivalent to whipping myself in front of you. When I allowed circumstances to make me stand here and say, I've, I've turned my cheek twice, I can't turn it no more. Now, how can that be a represent a representation of Christ when Christ had turned other cheek? We all get to that point, but don't try to don't advertise it. You know what I'm saying, but Satan will try to use. Nobody's exempt. That's the point. No, nobody's exempt from Satan using us. And we once we recognize it, that's when we go to Christ and and beg His forgiveness. But as long as we saying, well, I ain't so bad, like the guy went in and prayed. And, and he said, well, Lord, I ain't like, I ain't like other men. I, I give my tithe. And, God, and the Bible said God didn't hear him. He walked away from the temple. God didn't hear not one word. But the guy who went in the temple and felt so humble till he wouldn't even look up. He kept his head down and said, Lord, be merciful unto me. And the Bible said God, he went away blessed. God blessed him. Why? Because he recognized that the very first thing that we must learn about ourselves and that is that we are sinners. We are lost. We are hell deserving. But we've been saved by God's grace and mercy. But we still have that old nature. We, we are born again. That causes us to be dual nature. And we'll get to that as we continue. But as we try to tie in First uh, Peter 1 and 11 with this time of the year, we have pointed to uh, John the Baptist when he was, he had heard what his daddy had said. Let's go to this next verse first. What his daddy had said, uh, Zacharias, um, his daddy had a problem with faith, believing what God had said at first. When God, when the angel Gabriel approached him and told him that he and his wife Elizabeth was going to have a child, and they both was old, just like. Uh, Abraham and Sarah. Right? And when God told Abraham and Sarah they were going to have a child, the Bible said they fell on their face laughing. Couldn't believe something. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, the same thing when you study what happened with John the Baptist. He doubted. It's not as clear. The doubt is not as clearly brought out concerning John the Baptist as it is brought out concerning Abraham and Sarah. But the point is, uh, the angel told him, said, just because you're questioning it, 
you ain't gonna be able to speak again because he had the angel, how am I gonna know it? The angel already told him, you and Sarah are gonna have a child. He said, how am I gonna know it? And the angel said, well, you won't be able to speak again until that child is born, so you'll know it then. So he became dumb, he couldn't speak until John the Baptist was born. Now after John the Baptist was born, he began to speak again one of his sermons. This verse is taken out of it, what he said. And he was talking about the same thing that we celebrate this time of the year, the coming of the Savior. And the statement is, uh, Luke 1, 71 says, that we should be saved from, from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate me. We pointed out last week, just try to think now at the scripture context of Luke 1 and 71. It's dealing with the southern kingdom, not the whole nation of Israel. It's very important that these separations be kept so as God's word is rightly divided, we can see the connections, especially as it pertains to what's happening in our world, in our life today. At the time that Jesus came, the only part of the nation of Israel that was in Jerusalem was the southern kingdom that we call the Jews. Now remember what we've what we've seen from God's word. Now remember now remember going back a little bit when John the Baptist uh, was in jail and 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 they were gonna cut his head off. And he had been there was no doubt that he was called by God. Malachi 4.2, the one that God would send as a forerunner before Jesus to announce the coming of Jesus, which was John the Baptist. Told his daddy, and his daddy preaching about it. John the Baptist have grown up. And he announced when, he, when, he, when they were getting him mixed up with Jesus, he said, I'm not even worthy to, to lace up his shoes. I, I, I'm not him, the one that's coming. He was totally convinced. He was ready to testify. He was ready to preach. He was ready to, to, to lead songs in the choir. He was ready to tell everybody, I know what the Lord have done. He, all of that. See, the Bible, is, the Bible tells us whatsoever things written aforetime was written for our learning so that we, through the Scripture, will have hope. In other words, when we see that it ain't, we are not the first one that became weak, we are not the first one that for a moment didn't exemplify Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can do things and we be so hurt and so shamed, we say, I just want to quit. You know, especially a preacher. Don't let him help that preaching. He messed around there and a human poet show up. He didn't want to quit. Don't do that. John the Baptist in jail and he sent two of his disciples. He hear about Jesus' success. Jesus is preaching and this. Jesus' disciples are steady baptizing people that's coming, and John the Baptist is in jail. Now, he, he remembering what he heard his daddy said, too. He said, when he comes, he's going to save us from our enemy and from all that hate us. And he's sitting there in jail. So circumstances didn't look right. Circumstances versus what God had promised didn't look right. So he sent to his disciples, say, go down there and ask Jesus, is he the one that should come or should we look for somebody else? In other words, my understanding of when he would come, it was he was going to save us from our enemies 
and all that hate us. It don't look like it. They're finna cut my head off. So that's expressing circumstances uh, have worked on him to cause him to begin to doubt, just like things in our life. We've heard all our life about Jesus and what God will do. Some of it is accurate. Some of it is what's just been passed down, but we've heard it. We've heard things like he'd pay your bills and he'd make your kids do right and buy your car, get your house and make your husband do right, make your wife do right. We mess around there Christians and trying to be faithful and paying our tithes and marriage break up and the children start shooting through the window. Can I trust God's word? Well, we, we didn't hear it right. Even if we heard the right words, we didn't hear it right. See, faith come by hearing. The Bible word hearing goes further than the ear. It's more closer to our word understand. When you, when you become so familiar with whatever you're studying to you understand, oh, I see now, you understand it. That only comes through the foolishness Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God through the foolishness of preaching, proclaiming repeatedly. We said, I heard that sermon 30 times. Oh, you ain't heard it yet. As we continue to understand the way God talked to us, as we continue being faithful toward what he says, we will grow in grace. In other words, we will mature from a baby in Christ to an adult in Christ. So we look at these circumstances, excuse me, circumstances of uh, that surrounding uh, John the Baptist that made him look like he was losing his faith, which he was. And remember the solution that God, that Jesus gave him when the disciples came down and told him, said, John sent us down to ask, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus said, go back and tell him what you heard and what you saw. And we ended our last message with the way we overcome when things are happening in our life that cause us to doubt God's word toward us. The way we overcome is we allow the Holy Spirit to bring to our memory the things we've heard from his book, and the things we've seen from his book. What I mean by seeing is, as we gain an understanding as it pertains to the context of the scripture, we start seeing the reality, just like even now, the promise of the deliverer delivering the Jews, John the Baptist, Jew, Jesus, Jew. What are the headlines right now? Anti-Semitism and its strong growth. What is that? Hatred want to destroy the Jews without even trying to make the connections, just teaching what the Bible says and, and being able to, to, and having been able to, to recognize the gap. Remember what we, we have to keep in mind what we, what we study, the gap. The, the gap is pointed to the same period of time between the 69th and the 70th week of Daniel. We've studied that. That gap is the church age where we live, the church age. 
the beginning of the gap is the time period that this take place when Jesus came after Jesus after Jesus resurrected and went back to heaven the gap where Isaiah 61 point to where he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to heal the sick to open eyes of the blind all that that started and we don't know how long it's going to last so far it's been almost 2,000 years this grace period, what we call the New Testament church age, the same time period that the second and third chapter of Revelation is pointing to. The second chapter and the third chapter of Revelation is pointing to the seven churches. Seven as it pertained to the way God used the number seven many times in the scripture point to completion. In other words, the church age will go through seven dispensations. The last is the Laodicean church age. After chapter 3 of Revelation, chapter 4 began with John being caught up, which after the church age, at the end of the church age, the rapture take place. We God be in advance showing us the future in order to build our faith that he knows what he's talking about. And whatever he said going to come true. But the more we study and we start seeing that pattern, it builds our faith. And that's what we're hoping to happen as it pertains to this subject. Cause we, we didn't heard about Christmas so much, it's, it's hard to come up with anything new. But what we're going to try to do, we're not trying to come up with nothing new, but we're going to try to be showing the perfect pattern again. Keep in mind Romans 1 and 20. Romans 1 and 20. <laughs> The invisible things of him, the invisible things of God are clearly seen from the creation of the world, being understood by the things that are made, so that they are, uh, uh, so including the eternal Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We focus on the things that are made. Don't use the word made like many times we substitute the word creation and made. We'll say, I made this like as if it's, that's the beginning of it. The word made will be more understood or rightly understood as it pertains to the scripture. When we see the word made as a synonym, it's, 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 it's pointing, it's a synonym to the word arranged. God created everything and then he arranged it. I mean, we grew up with in plays and stuff says God made the stars, and he slung them in the heavens. And he did. But they fell in a certain pattern, arranged. That's how we can, the Bible said, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's a message. So the thing is that he have arranged as we continue to study. We pick up on his presence. We see the evidence that he's real. Yes, it's good to say, I know he's real because he's real in my soul. I know he's real because I can feel him in my soul. That's good. But as we continue to study, our testimony changes a little bit. I know that he's real because I have seen the evidence. I've seen what he said, and it happened. I've seen what he said, and it happened. And that's what Jesus was telling the disciples. Go back and tell John what you saw. 
Go back and tell John what you heard. That's the message to us when we feel like we've got to give up. Think about what we've seen. If we have sat in a ministry that have revealed to us God's word, think about the things that he have said and it happened. And the thing, it sounded stupid when he said it. Stupid to us. Because you remember the, what, what the Bible is teaching is the wisdom of God that is not of this world. It's a different wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. Paul said, we preach wisdom, but not the wisdom of this world. You can't understand God's wisdom using human logic. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal these things to us as we trust him when we hear his word. As Paul pointed to Timothy, rightly divide the pieces of the puzzle being put together. So having said that, we're going to look at, we see what happened with Peter, as well as John's incidents that caused them to be weak for a moment. Seeing that even today, these things that Zacharias talked about have not yet happened. Uh, what is, what in God's word was it that John the Baptist, as well as you and I, have heard and seen to strengthen our faith therein. What is it that we've heard and seen? Now, we, what I'm pointing to now is what we will look at concerning Jesus being the one. You remember John the Baptist's question was, go ask, the, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? So we, we stand connected to that statement. We're going to look at things that God's word have said and it have happened, and again, the things that you heard and the things that you've seen. So John the Baptist, if you look at that moment, what did his disciples see at that moment? They saw Jesus working miracles. The lame walked, the dumb spoke, and they go back and tell him. Well, who, what other person can do that? So that within, starting right there from that context and spreading out, as it, since God's word is for us as well, what is it that we should have seen and heard that will convince us that he's the one? Now, we can't really go by even what have been accepted as this time of the year that he was born. That's the point. The enemy is the enemy to remember this is Satan's kingdom at this point. Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14 and 12. Let's, let's go there one minute. The 12 and 14 or 14 and 12. Let's go over to Isaiah real quick. Um, Look at 12. Now, we're not going to get into details on this because there's a lot. This verse of Scripture, in my opinion, is pointing to two time periods at the same time. But I'm not getting into that. All I want you to, only reason I'm turning here now is because I was going to make it, I was getting ready to make a statement that this earth is Satan's kingdom. That's what I want to point to right now. 
We're not going to discuss this verse. This, here's the statement, a question to Satan. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into the heavens. So, he, so he, we know he started out up there, but he was cast out. And where he was cast, he started a kingdom. He lost that kingdom, which points back to the beginning of, uh, points back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, where God destroyed this planet and began to reorganize it because it was covered with water, face of the deep. The spirit moved on the face of the deep water. And then God made the dry land appeal and it separated the waters. When we go back without going into details, we see there's a time period that we don't know very much about. The first time, I mean, Noah's flood was not the first time that this earth was cut with water. But going, going forward to make that point, I will exalt, here's what, here's what Satan said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. That means it had to be below the stars, wherever it was. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High God. That's Satan's, that's his goal. So the, we are soldiers in the army. The battle is over the kingdom. Satan wants to exalt that. He, he lost his kingdom, but he won it back through Adam. He won it back through Adam. So that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 3 and 4, it points to Lucifer as the small G-O-D of this world. It says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who are lost, to those whose mind have been blinded by the God of this world. So Satan is not a chump. As we preachers sometimes talk about slewfoot and all that stuff, he's not a chump. And he's smart. And we have to learn his tactics. If we don't, he will deceive us. Once we, one of the ways down in God's program is to think you up there. Humble is the way. That's why we have to fight to not allow the things of the world to exalt us, stick our chest out. But I went there to show concerning the kingdom, concerning Lucifer, and his, what he's, why he's trying to do what he's trying to do. He's trying to, he wants to win. He, in, in my opinion, he knew he ain't going to win. But it's almost like, you know, when we were small, you, you know, he wonder, we didn't have no school buses. He had to walk home from school. And there was a fight every day after school. And there was always a bully that nobody could beat. But my mama would always say, you better not run. She said, don't nobody like pain. So you better fight even if you lose. And there were many times, boy, I'd be flying. And when I turned that corner where you could see the, the house, I stopped. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like that. Satan ain't going to give up. He's going to fight to the end. And we got to keep that in mind. But let's, let's go on as we try to make this connection. So what is it in the scripture that John the Baptist could have heard 
or seen that would help him at that time, even you and I. We're going to look at the root, one of the roots in the Old Testament. We're talking about seen and heard. That's past tense. He had heard it what his daddy preached. Now we're going to look at the possible root of this statement. I'm not saying it is a root. I'm saying it uh, the possible root. In other words, concerning the coming of Christ. Now we know that we went last week, we looked at the first time the birth was mentioned. Genesis 3.15, where Jesus was then pointed to as the seed of the woman. Keep that in mind. Now we're going to look at, in Moses' time, and we're going to look at the context. We're going to look at what was happening to make this statement be made. First, let's look at the statement. Um, this, the person who is speaking is Balaam, the prophet Balaam, the same one that God made his donkey talk. And I didn't want to say donkey. Uh, but anyway, he the same one. The one that once was a prophet of God, Balaam. He once was a prophet of God, but he sold out. Satan was able to get next to him, buy him out. But that didn't stop God from speaking through him. J just because I'm up here preaching doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. God can use a bulldog if he wants to. He proved that when he made a donkey talk. He made the donkey tell the prophet what to do. Showing that just because we got a little position, that don't mean we become everybody's example. We point to the example. We're struggling like you are. Preacher's shoes, we're struggling harder, really, to know the truth. I really didn't know that for a long time. But I, I don't eat so much crow like my buddy told me, uh, Deacon Harris. He said, Gus Harris, you don't eat so much crow at all to taste like chicken. All the junk I talked about preachers didn't believe what they were saying, the things that they were going through. Robin Jones used to make statements, I'd be sitting there at Pine and Grove. I said, old man ought to shut his mouth. He slept good as I did. Then now, when I get to hell, my, when you see me coming, he's going to say, that's all right, didn't I tell you? So we're going to look at Balaam. He ran into a Moabite king named Balak. When you look at the meaning of Balak's name, Balak in the Hebrew means waster, which is a perfect description of Satan. He is the waster, the destroyer. He's Tadion thing, waster. He hired Balak to go to God and get God to curse Israel. Now at this time, the context of numbers, all the tribes are still together. And since the world, in my opinion, for a long time, it was a long time for I, uh, when I find out that all Israel is are not Jews. But all Jews are Israelites. The Jews come from the tribe of Judah. The Benjamites come from the tribe of Benjamin. Each one of the boys produced a tribe. Benjamin and Judah stayed together in the south. The ten tribes went to the north, made Samaria their capital. 
But they were still together at this time. So the focus is the enemy trying to destroy God's people. And in my opinion, the reason why the focus for a long time was just the ones recognized as Jews is because we know in Jeremiah 3 and 8, God, we know that God equated those two divisions, the southern kingdom to a female whose name was Aholabah, and she was the same as Jerusalem. Ezekiel 23, first four verses of Ezekiel 23. The ones went to the north, God equated her to the other sister, whose name was Aholah, and her capital was Samaria. Read those verses in Ezekiel. In Jeremiah 3 and 8, we find that God, after having equated these two sisters to females, and he said they were mine. And in Jeremiah 31 and 32, he said, I was a husband unto them. After making that plain, in Jeremiah 3 and 8, he wrote a bill of divorcement to one of them. Because he had equated the situation in order for us to begin understanding, he had equated the situation to a marriage. But because of what the northern kingdom had done, he divorced her. Now you read Jeremiah 3 and 8, you'll find that both of the girls was guilty of the same thing. But he only divorced one of them. Was it, could we say he's not fair? We got to remember that what Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, is written to me. It was necessary for him to divorce one in order for us to get a clear picture of Jesus and his love toward us. And that's, as we've gone there, and we'll do it again until Jesus comes, as we continue to study the Bible, he put these situations in the Bible to help us to believe what he says, even though that's such, a, such as he so loved us until he gave himself for all that suffering and everything for us, he so loved us. And the way we look at the word love, and the things that we go through in life, how in the world you love me? You got all power. You could prevent these problems I'm having. You could pay my bills. You could heal me. How in the world are you going to tell me you love me? You got all power. You can make a change and you sitting there and won't do it. That's the way we look at things. But when we begin seeing God's love, it's, there is no comparison to what we call love. In order for us to begin seeing that, it was necessary that God start at a level where we are. We know about marriage and divorce. Anybody here don't know about marriage and divorce? And I'm not going to take that any further because, uh, again, we have to be careful of the tactics of the enemy. You know, it'll sound good, and I'll probably get an applaud of, come on, son. But I ain't going to say it because I think it's a tactic of the enemy. <laughs> and I'm learning. Uh, the last time I got up here and said, I ain't turning her cheek no more. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you know how it is when you, your mama be whooping and she, you ain't going to do it no more. Shut up. Yeah, it, it, don't like they're going to ever quit. <laughs> when they finally quit, you remember that a long time. <laughs> so I, I done got my whipping. I done got my chasing. And so 
We all have to recognize that and admit it and thank God for the chastening. You know, we grew up, our parents used to whoop us. Tell me I'm whooping you because I love you. And what? Well, tell you, hit me, beating on me, talking about you love me. But we grew up in this evil world and we see how forces are against us and how easy it is for your whole life to be messed up if you don't learn how to take something. If you don't learn how to turn that other cheek, we, I, I, I used to tell my mama, I'm, I'm glad that you whooped me. Because, boy, if she hadn't whooped me, I wouldn't have made it. I, I, I'd die if I'd have got 20 years old. But whooping me, say, you ain't the one. You got to learn how to take some things. You can't, well, that's just another subject. Let's go on. So here we have, back in Numbers 24 and 17, uh, Balaam, after he had told Balak, I done went to God and all of this, and he ain't going to curse his people. And then God starts speaking through Balaam toward his people, Israel. And he tells, he makes this statement to Balak concerning the Savior that God had promised that would assure that Balak and his kind, or Balak slash Satan, would not be able to defeat God's people Israel. In the Old Testament, as you study that, you'll see that they didn't defeat. But that was, again, what is the pattern that God has showed us that he decided to use in, the, in order to teach us? Shadow and substance. The shadow of the Old Testament materialize in the New Testament to assure us if we're living at that time. Just look at what you've heard and what you've seen concerning this situation. Just like when it looked like the world, let's say, for example, the closest thing that I can think of in my life concerning the Jews, when it looked like the world was going to wipe them out. But the Holocaust, did it wipe them out? What about the Roman Empire? Did it wipe them out? Because of what Balaam, God showed Balaam, said, I shall see him, that deliverer who's coming. But not now. It's still future. I shall behold him, which you could look at that as a saying the same thing, but it's a difference in how you see him. When Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins. That's, that's different from, oh yeah, I see him. See, you don't learn some things when you start saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. I mean, that ain't, I'm going to compare it to praying. I told you that uh, my I told you that one of the last statements that Rose made to me was you don't pray enough. And I said I made a joke out of it, you know. Uh, she said you don't pray enough, and that that have it never leaves me. And when I look at the situation, I'm saying, what was she talking about? There's a difference between talking to the Lord, I'm right, and I'm saying, Lord, you're being good, thank you very much. And 
Lord, the accident happened. I'm thank you for not letting me. That's, that's good. But when you pray to God, you give him the attention. It's not like, I'm busy. Thank you, Jesus. I'll talk to you later. Especially in the Old Testament, the prophets, they covered their head with sackcloths and ashes. They didn't, they didn't feel that they look up like the publican in the New Testament. They prayed with their head down because they was humble in the presence of God. We would talk as kids before you go to bed. You turn that TV down or turn that radio down and you get on your knees and you say your prayers, even though we said the same thing. Lord, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord to show my key. Or our Father which I have. It was given, it's almost in my opinion, the, the, the difference between online and being here. Now, God knows if we can't, it's a blessing. If we're sick and shut in, we can't come. But if we just lazy, so I don't feel like going there. Today I'm going to get my cup of coffee and about time for the service and I'm going to relax. Versus the sacrifice all of God's people from day one sacrifice from Cain and Abel sacrifice not him making it comfortable but our willing to sacrifice for his sake. His sake doesn't mean he need us. He don't need nothing. God don't need nothing. And he don't need nobody. He can make whatever happen. You think God need me as a preacher? Shoes. I'm talking about gracious alive. Please, if you think that, please don't say it. I mean, you're talking about advertising ignorance. God don't have no needs. But when we learn from hearing his word, how it please him for us to sacrifice, bring the right offering. Not just, well, I, I, I'm going to get it. I ought to be glad. I, I'll give it a little chance. You ought to be glad to get that. That's why, well, how do we start? I said, don't give a penny to this church. Nothing. We ain't never had a building fund, a special movement, no sold no dinners, take no chance, none of that. Why? Because God's word is supposed to be built on the sacrifice of his people. You bring the offering that he said bring. And and if we we have to grow to that point. I told you I'd never, never given to God or to the church. All the years I was in church. Tithes, never tithed. Church dues. Three, four dollars a Sunday. God started, we're gonna get back into that. God's will, I believe you, we're gonna have to get back in that the first of the year. Fresh fruits. Tithing. Bring the tithes to the Lord. Bring, bring a tent. Well, God I ain't got but I ain't got but ten dollars. I give you a, if I give the church a dollar, I ain't got but nine. I'm gonna give them a quarter. They ought to be glad of that. Don't give nothing. To, whoa, that's crazy. God said, well, "You bring the tithes to me. The right attitude." And see, he said, try me and see. Will I open up heaven windows and pull you out blessings you can't contain? Those blessings is more than money. Just to save us from hell fire is blessings we can't contain. 
to live eternally. So, well, let's get back to this. All right. Now, when I started, it was about 10 till. And I know it had been, and it's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong concerning the timing. I, it had turned into a joke, and that's fine, because I laugh at it. But it's a serious subject to me. But I am having some second thoughts because <laughs> I had talked, Asie Vet, when she come again, and she, they're doing better, but they ain't quite over yet. Amen. I had said to Yvette, I said, starting last Sunday, it would have been the first Sunday that we would do it, last Sunday, I said, no later than t- t- 5 to 12. I want you to go to the piano. Start playing some soft music. That'll get my attention because I get carried away. It'll get my attention. I won't be up here two, two and a half hours. You know. But they couldn't come last Sunday. <laughs> and they couldn't come this Sunday. And in the mouth of two to three witnesses, all true be established. <laughs> we can't do anything, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to, when I picked up my watch, because we're human too. Reverend Jones used to say to me, you can't teach the whole Bible in one hour. So this is something been with me many, 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 many years. I get excited about it. I, 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 I lose control. I told Barbara, you know I had my, uh, my, my cell phone up here last week, and I kept looking at that cell phone. No, that was the week before last because I had forgotten my watch. I had said to Barbara, I said, Barbara, you, you, I hear your phone going off. Got alarm on it. Can you set mine where to go off a certain time? And I'll just turn it down low and put it here. And then that five minutes, that was last week. She had me this morning say, you ain't brought the phone to me yet. <laughs> and I didn't, I have a second thoughts. I want to be in order. I want to please God. But at the same time, I don't want to allow that which is intended to be a blessing to become a curse. We can't be so quick to be sure on either side of the fence. The Bible said, try the spirit to see whether it be of God. So that's what that's where we are now as far as time. Now, you know, I've been preaching 1230 for a long time. Sometime quarter to one. Sometime one o'clock. <laughs> and still don't be ready to quit. And then can't hardly get home be so tired. But let's get back to them. Try to... We got a lot to do this for this season, the connection that I'm hoping that we'll see. So let's see can we move a little forward. We have an addition to this scripture. We're introduced now to a star, a sign. This is Balaam. He says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh, close. Not close. I see him a distance when it happened. There shall come a star 
out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Seth. Now, we're not going to try to explain that, but I want you to look at what I have in green. Destroy, uh, shall smite the corners of, uh, shall, excuse me, shall smite and destroy. I'm pointing to that as being the same as what is said here. The enemies and all that hate. I'm pointing to the two targets, but I'm not going to try to explain them today as a connection, but we can agree that in Luke 1 and 71, he could have just said, save us from all of our enemies. But they say, from, save us from all of our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, which I, that, to me, that's present application. But we're not getting there yet as it pertains to the world view on the Jew where we're living now. But we're not, if it's God's will, we'll get there, but not today. Only thing I'm pointing to now is the connection. First, as going back to our first verse, the time that we can start looking for this glory to take place. It was going to be after the suffering of Christ. After the suffering of Christ, glory would come as it pertained to God's people. Then we looked at the time when it's time for coming up to the time for Jesus to be born. Uh, God causes the priest or the preacher to preach about the one that was coming and that he was going to save us if we applied that his people, his people that's on the planet, his people, remember, remember, Ephesians 1 and 4, there are a group of people that is pointed to as being chosen in him before the foundation of the world, before it was a world, a people chosen in him. And then we find when when the Bible first started talking about in Genesis 3.15 concerning Jesus coming to save us, we have two seeds involved. God said, I will put enmity between thou seed, Satan. So that's a seed from another world. It's not earth. Satan is not of the earth. And then it said, and her seed, her seed upon the Jesus. So we have supernatural representations on this planet. More than two people. That's the only thing I'm going to say right now. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Balaam says, at the time, I mean, this is way back then. What we're trying to show, the accuracy of God's word. Way back then, Balaam, who had sold out, God speaking through him, says, when that time comes, there's going to be a star. Let's, let's go on from there. The context of this verse is Balak, a Moabitish king, desired to destroy Israel in that day. And even though God saved Israel from that destruction, the salvation God spoke of, I mean, that God spoke to the prophet Balaam involved a star that was yet future. 
the same as when he spoke to Zacharias, John the Baptist's father. In other words, going back up, we see now God spoke to Balaam concerning something that was yet to come. He did the same thing here. One of the things we find as we study the scripture that the Old Testament prophets who God spoke through Hebrews 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 uh, chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 that says in sundrous times long time ago and diver manners many different ways God spoke to the fathers through the prophets but when God we are told in Hebrews 10 and 1 that the things of that time, the things of the law, were shadows. So the prophets didn't see the two comings of Jesus. When they spoke of his coming, they would point to two comings as if it was one. In other words, Jesus was to come two times. The first time that he came would not be to destroy the enemy. Because he came as a lamb. Who can a lamb defeat? He can't. What, what do we know about lambs in relationship to God's word? Put them on the altar and kill them. Sacrifice. He's fulfilled all the things that he had Israel to do. As Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it's written to me. When you see it the right way, every sacrifice was talking about the sacrifice of me at Calvary. Every one of them. So when we pick up on the facts of the scripture and look at it as God presented, shadow, substance. Same thing. Neither one, you can't say this was wrong and this right. They're both right. But when you look at a shadow, you see the outline of the person, but you don't see the details. You don't see the color of the eyes, and color of the skin, a little bit, but you see the outline. You know it's there. But then it leads you to the person. The Old Testament, just like the law. It, it took the law of God as do this and go to heaven. But you got to do it all. And nobody could do it. We look at Galatians. 3 and 24, I believe it is. It tells us that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It was not given to, God didn't give his law to his people and say, this is the way you get to heaven. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Because nobody can live the law perfectly. And the Bible said, if you break one part of the law, you get to the whole thing. So the law, God wasn't given the law to say, here's the way back home. But I'm giving the law to show you, you can't do it. You need me. So the law was the schoolmaster. Once it showed us that perfect standard, we, we said, Lord, how much? even the law goes to the mind. When Jesus was explaining the law, he said, you heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery. 
You know, and we could stand up and say all day, well, Lord, I, I, I didn't ever done that. Oh, John Doe, you know, he went, I, I didn't go. Yeah, but you wanted to. Sin start right here. Don't start in the act. And we see that kind of standard. We say, Lord, have mercy. What can I do? Well, you just did it. You said, Lord, have mercy. And he sent Christ. So the reason we run to Christ is when we look at the option, we said, there ain't no way we can get back home. So we run to Christ, but we got to be willing to obey his rules. That's why he said, let everything be done decently and in order. So let's, let's go on. The context, as I just said, concerning Balak, he wanted to try to destroy Israel and trying to get Balaam to get God to do it. He studied, studied. Found out it wasn't going to work. God, in, God in, instead began giving ba Balaam a revelation of the coming Savior who would guarantee that God's people would never be destroyed. Never. So you, you think he won't be destroyed? If I come up there right now and put a 357 to your brain and pull a trigger, you don't think you destroyed? Nope. Not according to that book. You killed the body. The soul go back to the Lord that give it, if you saved, to be absent from the body. Now, that ain't going to make us brave. I ain't finna jump up and say, shoot me. If I can, I'm going to try to shoot you before you shoot me. But we can't deny we got to start accepting what the Bible says. It is a reality that is hard to accept. And the Bible tells us the wisdom of God is not of this world. It's not going to make sense. In other words, a Savior coming to save, and, and, he, and he come dying. How are you going to save me and you dying? The logic of this world is if you're going to save me, you better have some muscles and a, and a 357 or something. And here come Jesus like a lamb. I thought, see, when he come the next time, what the Bible say? He's going to be the lamb of the tribe of Judah. Now, a lamb, you can go up to a lamb and slap him. Pow, pow. Do somebody. Go up there and do it to a, to a lamb. And see what happened. When he come next time, totally different. The blood going to run at least six feet deep. Yeah. Ain't that much blood on a battlefield and all the wars with them fought. Six feet to the horse's bridle. That's an estimate of six feet deep. The battle of Armageddon. He's going to just, <laughs> like that song, first start out by tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> to the tulips. Come along and tiptoe. But then it, the next verse says, stomp through the tulips. The same tulips that you tiptoed through. The next time it's going to be a stomp. So we don't get him wrong. It's the God's strategy. That, that's why the Bible, first, first Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, says that if the princes of this world had known, they would have never crucified Jesus. In other words, if they had known the wisdom of God concerning our salvation, the, the way we look at saving somebody is to kill the enemy. 
But the wisdom of God, he come down and died. I thought you, like John the Baptist. Hey, all the time I've been preaching about the Savior coming, he's going to save us from our enemy. And I'm not up here locked up in jail. They finna cut my head off. And he down there preaching like he done forgot about me. Hey, go down there and ask him if he the one. Why? Because John was looking at it from this standpoint of view. Once we start looking at it from this standpoint of view, we see it differently. And so John went on and had his head cut off. That was just his earthly body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's go on so we can end this real quick. So concerning this sign, we now looking at the accuracy for us. What have we seen? What did Jesus tell the disciples? John the Baptist's disciples, go back and tell them what you saw and what you heard. Same thing with us. We're having doubts. Well, this is a good time of the year concerning what we've seen and what we've heard concerning this time of the year that will more convince us that Jesus is real and what he says is going to come true. So we go to our next verse of Scripture when Jesus, when God first began talking about this uh, one that he would send. He said, let there be lights in the firmaments of the heavens. For what? I mean, when he was putting it up there. See, again, lo, the, the scripture, Jesus said, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it's talking about me. So when God was putting the lights in the heavens, the stars and the planets and the galaxies and all of that up there in what was called the firmaments in the heavens. God, what are you doing all that for? Well, to divide the day from the night, number one, with man to know the daytime from the nighttime. Nighttime the stars shine, daytime the sun shine. So we'll know day and night. Everybody agree on day and night. And then they're going to be for signs. Signs. For the purpose of a sign is to read. It's a message there. So they're going to be not just shining, but they're going to be saying something. Now again, the presence of Satan to take what God intended to be a blessing and cause it to be a curse. Satan introduced astrology. Astrology is the worship in other words, recognizing the stars as having some type of supernatural power. So if you're born during that time of the year where that brightest constellation is shining, if you're born, let's say, on the Scorpio, November, when I was born, don't, and you'll notice that they don't ever say anything negative about the person. They say, well, if you were born under that sign, you were unique. You know, other little things that I like about what it says about Scorpio. You know what I'm saying? But God put them up there with a sign, but it's talking about, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show forth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night, uh, night, unto night showeth knowledge. There is no place that that voice is not heard. I remember how fascinated I was when I was in Nome 
We land out down the stars, and I would think about what we doing in Sunday school, BTU growing up. See the same stars way over there. Same message. Talking about the same, who is the glory of God? Not only is Jesus the glory of God, he's the king of glory. So all of that is to help to convince us as we learn what the script, what the stars are saying concerning Jesus, it testifies to the same thing this is saying. But it's it's same job to say the stars are up there, and because they say you this way, then you start trying to live your life. Well, I'm a Capricorn. Well, we Capricorns don't get along with y'all Scorpios. You know, they have become gods. They are governing the way we think. But we, the one who put them up there, when he, before he ever created man, he said, remember now, you remember, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Then Romans 8 and 20 says, we was made subject to vanity by reason of him, the way he, he we, hey, we didn't volunteer, we didn't volunteer and say, hey, God, let's, let us take us out of you. We was part of him, chosen in him. We want to go down there on earth where all that vanity is, where Satan is. We want to go down there and have to bear a cross. The Bible said we did, it wasn't willingly, but it was God's reasoning. But in that same verse, Romans 8 and 20, in that same verse, God said, that the same one who subjected us, who made us subject to vanity, subjected us to hope. Christ is our hope. That's the same thing that Jesus was saying, no man can come to me except he's drawn by the Father. It's God's first move. When we get a chance to hear about Jesus and get a little interest, that's God reckon, uh, uh, letting us know that you are one of the ones that was chosen in me. You was part of me, but through my reasoning concerning my operation to put down my enemy, Satan, I made you a soldier in my army. And just like we was in Nam, we were looking to come back home one day. That's what we were looking for. We call it rotation. We're looking for that time period when we rotate and go home one day. Why would we call it home if we ain't never been there? How in the world can it be your home? And you ain't never been there. The Bible said this world is not your home. Heaven is your home. That's where you started. And God is making that plain to us so that our faith toward him and his program, Satan's going to make it think that the preacher is just trying to get folks to do things to make him a successful preacher, a bigger paycheck and prestige. Indeed, Dr. Mr. Bishop, Reverend Gus Harris. That ain't what it's about. It's like that donkey just trying to get the message over. What was the donkey saying to Balaam? If you keep going down this road, you're going to be destroyed. Because there was an angel standing down there. Balaam couldn't see him. Still the Bible. Balaam couldn't see him. Angel standing down there with a sword drawn, just waiting for Balaam to come. Gonna cut him in and make potted meat out of him. And God made a donkey. God forgive him using the word the Bible used. God made his ass give him the message. You keep going the way you're going, you're gonna end up dead. That's what all the preacher talking to himself first. 
Hey, I'm telling you. But let's go on because we got to get out of here. Let's see. Well, if we went by the plan, the soft music would start playing right now. <laughs> so let's see, can I govern myself by that? So this brings us this brings us to our next focus point of which is spiritual context is the house of Judah slash when I say slash I mean the same thing as the house of Judah slash the house of David slash the southern kingdom slash the Jews in Isaiah day that was facing destruction from the power of both Syria and the northern ten tribe kingdom, the house of Israel, combined. In other words, we just looked out of context what was going on when God gave Balaam the prophecy of the one who was coming that would be identified by this star that's supposed to appear. But the message was because of him, the destruction that Balak had planned, Balak being the waster, a representation of Satan, would fail. So we see God's promise of this person with a star made the shadow form of the failure of the enemy to defeat God's people. Now when we look at, we know the nation of Israel came from Jacob, and we know what the Bible said, how Jacob was. But when God changed his name to Israel, God also put a statement there, a prince having authority with God. So he calls the one who was no good, Jacob, to become one having authority with God. I, in my opinion, it's related to the way he called persons to preach. You look at the people he called in the Bible. We were talking about that. Me and somebody were talking about that, I believe, this morning. Who would have ever thought that Paul, before his name was changed, his name was Saul, and everybody knew he was an enemy of the church? Well, you he, he would have never thought he'd be trying to save God's people. But the Bible said when he was born, God separated him from his mama's womb. So he was already chosen to do what he was going to do, but he didn't know. look at what he had got into in the world. And the first Christian martyr, to be stoned in the New Testament was Stephen. And Paul was the one who instigated it. And then held the coats while the people could throw the rocks. I, I, I'll hold the coats where you can hit that joker. Don't be just uh, tossing it. Hit him. That's, that's the man until the time came for God to say, you were born to be in my program. Made him a preacher. Now, that's not limited to a preacher. But remember the pattern that God gave in Revelation concerning the church age. He spoke to the angel of the church. The word angel means messenger. The same message that God gave to the messenger was to be given to the congregation. But it's God's system. It's not that the messenger is different. It's the system that he choose one to speak to others. The shadow of that was the Old Testament. Moses, you tell them. Moses, you God, how in the world am I going to tell all them folks? You got all power. You tell them. 
It's God's system. Once we see God's system, we are to expect the devil to say, that preacher just wants you to do everything he say. He don't want us to be decent and in order. We have to recognize that. We don't have to. We should. Now, we can rip the churches tie up because we don't want to follow the order. Now, I'm one of the ones that say, if you think the order is that much out of order, get rid of the ones who are setting the order. Get somebody else. But follow the order that you see in the Bible. It didn't say follow Gus Harris. Get Joe Blow or Jack Johnson. It doesn't matter. Follow the order. Because even though we are different, we're one. And Christ is the head, and we are the members of the body. That's the way the Bible put it. So here we have our next reference point, pointing to the, the context of our next scripture that we are pointing to is this one that we all know as we come closer to the birth date back in Isaiah. What was happening in Isaiah? You studied just a brief synopsis of what was happening. The northern ten tribe kingdom that once was part of Israel but now divorced. Divorced. No connection with God. Divorced. Gentiles. Divorced. The only one left out of the nation of Israel that was still one with God, married, was a whole Abah, the southern kingdom, the Jews. God never divorced the Jews. That's one of the reasons for the hatred. Because Satan recognized that source. Jesus himself was a Jew. Satan is after any connections with God. He's going to overthrow the kingdom. You've got to hear what the Bible is saying. The one that God divorced, the ten tribes, had teamed up with Syria. And they were both going to attack the southern kingdom. So the ten northern tribes and Syria was going to combine and jump on the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom, their king was named Ahaz at that time. And God said to Ahaz, said, look, just like he told Balaam, your enemy ain't going to be able to overthrow you. And Ahaz is looking at it from an earthly standpoint of view. Ain't no way in the world we can beat all them folks. Two nations are going to double team us, a little handful of people. And actually it was Judah by itself because you remember the Syrians, when they attacked, they went back and captured the tribe of Benjamin, took them back and put them with the ten tribes. So it was just the tribe of Judah, the Jews. And God said to the king, said, I'll tell you what. In order for you to have confidence in me, that no matter what you're facing, all the two nations are going to come try to destroy you, in order for you to have confidence that I'm telling you it won't happen, I will not let it, I'll tell you what I'll do. You just ask me for a sign. Anything that will uh, convince you to make you hold on and have faith in my word, what I done told you. What did Jesus tell John the Baptist? Uh, disciples, go tell him what you heard and what you saw. 
Anything that will convince you that when you're facing impossible situations, anything that will convince you to hold on to what I said in, in spite of what you see, just ask me and I'll do it for you. Ahaz wouldn't ask. He wouldn't ask. He refused to ask. Let's go to the future again, to John the Baptist day. The word sign. Jesus, the sign. The proof that your enemy is not going to destroy you. I'm it. But the Jews refused. Same pattern. Shadow, substance. And what God said to Ahab then, he said, okay, you wouldn't ask for a sign, but I'm going to give you one anyway. A virgin is going to have a baby. Now, first of all, that's, I'm going to give you one where you can't doubt that it's God behind it because there is no possible way that a virgin can have a child. And if it happened, it's, as we used to say we were growing up and didn't, didn't know no better, God could have, they used to say, God snatch your breath from you and try to get us in line. We used to say, yeah, you know, especially we get falsely accused. We men, we get falsely accused. We say, if it wasn't no star in the east, it wasn't me. <laughs> anyway, you missed that one. <laughs> God said, I'm going, to do, I'm going to give you a sign that when it happens, you know it, it, it's me. There's no other way. I'm going to, I ain't going to give you something that could just, well, that's, that could have been coincident. No, ain't no coincident. Even when it happened, when Joseph, he said, shoot, don't come tell me. Now, look, look, Mary. I mean, I love you and everything like that, but, uh, you know, I, I ain't going to try to embarrass you or nothing. I'm going to put you away privately. You know, well, he couldn't. He didn't believe it. Come telling me, you a virgin and you pregnant? Don't come. What do I look like? But the angel came to him. Say, hey, Joseph, this thing is of God. Same, same. All I'm trying to, all I'm trying to do, is show that God have been Romans one and twenty again. The invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The, the way he made his book, the way he made, the way he arranged it. When we first look at it, we say, can't nobody understand the Bible. Man, it just gets all me. Yeah, until we are led, and when we are led, we can't believe how accurate it is. The way he made it, he made it so that the enemy won't understand the enemy. They see Jack and Jill went up the hill to get a pail of water. Oh, that's a nursery rhyme. But when God touched our mind, we see the message of Jack and Jill. Not Jack and Jill. We see the message. That's the point. We hear from the Scripture what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture might not be using that word, those words, but we hear the message from the scripture. So what happened in Isaiah day? There was a young lady. You go back and study it. A young lady who was a virgin until she got married. I, I'm, I'm not making a joke now. I want you to hear something. 
until she got married. She named her child. Look at the message. The focus, number one, virgin and child. And the child would be God with us. In other words, the sign, the letters, the arrows. I got the arrow coming from the star of numbers going down to the signs in the heavens. That the star would serve a sign. Then I got hooked onto that line, another arrow coming down to the word sign in Isaiah, pointing to the same subject. Still pointing to the sign that would be, that God would announce before he came. The, sky, the stars would tell a story about a virgin having a baby. So can you imagine everybody saying, I want to see that? <laughs> Slow today. There was a, a young lady who, after getting married, had a child, named that child Emmanuel, from her husband, from her husband. It was a sign to Ahaz that the enemy, the ten tribes and Syria would not defeat them, that one tribe. And the scripture go on to say before that child that was born in Isaiah day, before that child would get old enough to know right from wrong, those two enemies that you thought was going to destroy my people, Syria and the ten tribes would no longer be a people. That don't mean they will be killed. Remember when we had we studied Rachel weeping for her children because they were not in other sinners. They were not. If you put the end on that, they were not a people. As we were not a people, Gentiles, heathens, until we were made a people through adoption first. I, I know it's deep. Hey, not deep because I'm saying it. Look, I tell you all the time, education, academically speaking, I'm on the bottom here. You got more degrees and everything than me. I, hey, I ain't, I'm not ashamed of that. As a matter of fact, I try to use that to show, since you know literally I am as dumb as I am, and you got degrees, why are you sitting there listening to a dummy? If you don't see something past a dummy. God's word. Whatever happens in our life, we got to try to make it a positive. And let God be seen. Let your light shine. Someone in the valley trying to get home. That's what we are told. To let your light shine. I don't care whether you're the dummy or the most educated. You use what you got to glorify his name. I, 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 I remember I said to God, man, the Lord ain't no way in the world I can stand in front of folks. Shoot, I don't know English. Hey, I misspelled my name. If I ain't careful. He wasn't asking me to do it. You let me through you. I'm doing it. God's doing it. That's why we have to be careful. To let him get the glory. There ain't nothing in the world I'd rather do than sing. That's why I want to be a singer. God, a singer, God, 
I think she got little pictures where I used to sing clothes. I thought I was a bad boy back then, you know. I thought I had a little hair on my head coming down my face. I thought I was, hey, I'm all to this. He ended up being a preacher. Can't show out, because if you show out, you're taking the credit. You've got to let God be seen. Well, let's go on. Go in it real quick. I can, how many times I'm say that? See, I could go to hell just for saying that. So, pointing to a future day, last verse, pointing to a future day. But the only day, no, it's not last verse, that's the beast. You recognize that's our symbol of the full beast. The only, what, what's the connection I'm making here? Let's back it up. The, the beast that God was speaking of in Isaiah 7, 14, that this virgin child would save his people from. At that time, the shadow of the beast was Syria and the northern tribe. They were the enemy. Now, we are told in the book of Daniel concerning the way God described these empires represent, represented by these beasts. The fourth beast would be the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire, is it never was defeated. It was never defeated. It's the last of the beasts in the book of Daniel. Well, the Antichrist will come from that geographical area that the Roman Empire occupied. It is from them that beast would have ten horns on his head. And you read in Daniel chapter 7 about those four beasts. And out from those ten horns will come another little horn. That's the Antichrist. That's a prophecy way of telling us the territory or the part of the world that we can expect the Antichrist to come out of. That's why we pay so much attention as the nations begin to shuffle. In other words, the confederacies that have stood so long begin to break up. And regroup. We're in danger now of seeing NATO break up. Anybody know anything about America and the walls and the friends through NATO? Know how important that is. But we see now a threat to NATO. Where when nations break up, they will reform another way. That's gonna that's gonna happen according to the Bible in the territory, even though it's the territory that the Roman Empire occupied, they part of that territory that they occupied was occupied was the Grecian Empire as well, because Rome, when they took over, they, they whooped everybody, so that once was Greece territory became under them. So actually when you trace it down back to Daniel, you'll see it's going to be within that more in the Grecian territory than the what we know as the Grecian territory and the Roman Empire. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, in Isaiah's day, he wasn't looking at that beast Daniel was talking about. He was looking at Syria and the northern ten tribes. But when it came down to the time when Jesus actually come, even though the circumstances are the same, what were the circumstances? That little big nation of Israel Rome got complete control. Not only did they crucify Jesus, but in 70 A.D., 
they came closer to wiping out God's people than any other time on the planet. From 70 A.D. all the way up to around the early 1700s, we're talking about over 15, 1600 years, there was no such thing on this planet to be found as a nation of Israel. Go back and go back and look it up. But all of a sudden, the nation of Israel is reborn. Now God shows us that too. Again, what's the purpose of these things? Whatsoever things written aforetime was written for our learning, so that we, through the comfort and the hope and the patience of the Scripture, will have hope. We see God said it, impossible situation, and it happened the way He said it. Still, people still come out on top. So it don't look like on top of me. All of them got killed. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What, what more victory can you have? We can't look at it from an earthly standpoint of view. Be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind got to get in line with this. So when Jesus came, that four beasts was in power, the Roman Empire. And the last scripture that we're going to be looking at is we pointing to all down through the scripture, God, when he, before he ever created man, he said, I put them firmaments up there for signs. Well, who's going to read the sign? My people who was in me before the foundation of the world, and I put them on the planet through Adam. And they're going to fall into vanity. And they're going to look like there ain't no way out. And when they look up, they're going to see a message. I got your back. Well, I'm going to take the word back out. I think about one of the sympathy cards that was sent, given to me when Rose passed. Two, word, uh, two words, two words, God got you. We look up, Lord, what in the world I'm going to do? We look up, God said, I got you. That's the purpose of him. We learning how to recognize his signs all around us. I got you. This ain't the first time our people didn't think they were going to make it. Look at what you've seen. Even standing at the Red Sea. I know where we're going to swim across this sea. We ain't got no boats. Never went swimming. God said, I got you. Don't lose faith. That's easy to say. You say, well, I ain't going to lose my faith. I'm telling you, there's some things that can rock your world. Yeah. <laughs> It, that's why we have to pray for one another. Because it's a doggone knock you to your knees, boy. Knock you on your belly. Need somebody to call on the Lord for you because you'd be too weak. I'm telling you. But because of what we've seen and heard, we'd be reminded, God got it. Don't worry about it. You just keep the faith. Don't stop. Don't renege. Don't stop because of your circumstances. Come anyway. You know, well, God ain't got but a dime. Give a penny. 
10%. Don't stop. Now we'll get to our last verse. The firmament, that was the major firmament was Virgo, which means the virgin. As far back in time as you can go, studying astronomy. Astronomy is the study of the heavens. Astrology is the worship. As far as you can go back in astronomy, Virgo being called Virgo. Now, that's not just pointing to the sign. It also pointed to the season when that star would appear. Now, if you don't see it that way, then reject it. All the attention, all the way down, you're talking about the star, star, all the way down. That star connected to the coming of the Savior. Last verse. When the angel appeared to Mary for her to get pregnant. When he appeared to Mary, Gabriel, he said, it says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, upon the Jesus, call it a thing, that holy thing that will be born of thee will be called the Son of God, holy thing. What thing? Go back to the sign. In the heavens, Virgo, the picture of Virgo depicted as a woman laying prostrate with a branch in her hand. Scripture points to Jesus as the branch coming out of Isaiah when you're talking about genealogy. And the brightest star in that constellation that outshine all the rest of the stars at that time period is Spica. The word Spica means the seed. So what God started talking about in Genesis 3.15, her seed, woman ain't got no seed, but the seed that God would put, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And that divine seed, that the seed of God is going to be there. The Father is God himself, the only begotten Son, language that we know. That's why it's necessary that we become born again. We become, when we first join, hooking on to the difference between that adoption and that birth. The Bible point to we become an adopted sons and daughters, then point to us being born again. Both is pointing to entering the family. What's the difference? When we first come to Jesus, we're not born again because you're born again through faith. We come to Jesus because we're drawn. None can come to me except they're drawn by the Father. He draws. We might think, well, outside, they like me. I say, I'll go back. My mama bug bugging me after I got back from Nome. I said, well, I'm going to go just to make my mama satisfied. That's what I thought. I'm going to go join church because make my mama happy. That's what I thought. None can come to me except they are drawn by the Father that sent me, and I raise him up. 
Everyone, everybody who confessed Jesus as their Savior and sacrificed toward Him. I'm not, sacrifice is not limited to giving money. Not doing what you want to do because He said don't do it. As Paul said, whenever I desire to do good, evil is near. Don't mean when you become a Christian, you don't think evil no more. Shoot, you think more evil then. You, I knew that much evil was in the world. I started trying to be a Christian. Boy, you talking about thoughts. Good gracious, alive. We have to fight them. Why? Because of our faith, who we have not seen, but based on what we've heard and seen in his word, not because a preacher said it, but we studied and we look back in history and we see it happens and at the exact time when the sky, the brightest star, was deceived, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, uh, to Mary, that you're going to be, I mean, Abel, uh, Gabriel, the angel was saying to Mary, you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And that holy thing, that will be put in you, that holy thing, that seed that God talked about way back then, will be born from you, a virgin, and it will be called the Son of God. All, 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 all I pray that God enable us to see from this sermon is the accuracy of God's Word. You can count on it. We don't always understand it, but if God said it, it's going to happen. Thank you for your time. Let's stand. Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again. Can't thank you enough for being so good to us, your patience and long-suffering with us and putting us with us as we try to do your will and stumbling all over the place but you continue to have mercy on us and give us another chance and we pray that that will continue because it is our determination as long as we got breath in our body to try to give you the glory we thank you for being all your goodness and love and kindness that you've shown toward us your healing power the things that you have demonstrated to us that it's just a matter of your will being done. We pray that it will cause us to be strong enough to be able to face when it's your will for us to get out of here, that we don't lose our faith, that we be able to say as Job did, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You gave us the life. It's yours to take back. We're going to bless your name. All these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, we ask them. Let church say amen.